With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. G'day, it's Ben Davis. Thanks for catching up on Mornings here on SENQ. But you know what? You can also catch up some great content with other SEN shows, such as Brecky with Patty and Heels, The Captain's Run with Cameron Smith and Denon Kemp, all on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. But until then, sit back and enjoy and make sure you tell your mates. I speak none other than former Wallabies captain Stephen Moore. Steve, very good morning to you. Um, Before we get into everything that is rugby and Eddie Jones and Australian rugby, can you even put into words the, the, the feeling of singing your national anthem when you're representing our country on a world stage? Yeah, thanks for having me, Benny. It's uh, good to be back in Australia after a bit of a sojourn in France for, for six weeks or so. But, yeah, I think everything you've said there is spot on, mate. It's one of the great things you get to do when you play for your country is belt the anthem out at the start of the game. And certainly, you know, when I look back on my career, that's, you know, look back very fondly on those kind of opportunities, particularly away from home. You play somewhere like Twickenham and... There's only ever a very small pocket of gold in the crowd and you, you always look to those people during the anthem and certainly a big motivation as a player uh, to start the game like that. Can, can you hear them? Can you hear the crowd singing with you even if they're only a small version of it? Yeah, you small can usually. Obviously, the away anthem is, is much quieter than home anthem wherever you are around the world, but, but uh, you certainly can hear them and, you know, that does give you that, that extra lift, I think, and that's one of the special things about it. All right, I know that was a question without notice, but one man who won't be singing the national anthem anytime soon, as far as our a national sporting coach, is Eddie Jones. Um, the the, mm. the news the news that dropped uh, uh, late on Sunday. Um, are you surprised? No, not surprised. I think it became untenable uh, by the end, Benny. You know that there was certainly a lot of speculation and conjecture and many reasons given for why he made the decision but you know I think it was the only decision that could happen um, just so that all parties can move on it was a it was a failed experiment I guess if if you want to look back on the the last 12 months from the point of you know sacking Dave Rennie a year out from the World Cup and then where we are now you know we've regressed immeasurably in the last 12 months and that's really disappointing. Steve what will his what was his what will his legacy be how will he be remembered? Look, I think if you look at Eddie's career full stop, he's been a very successful coach, there's no doubt. And and he, he is a very good coach. There's no one that works harder than Eddie. But the last 12 months, it never felt right in Australia, right from the start. Uh, I think, I'm not sure, having not been involved at all, uh, I'm not sure what what went on in, inside the organisation um, you know, his relationship with the chairman, the CEO, you know, the whole centralisation process, uh, the funding of the game, all that stuff probably played a role in his decision-making. And you know, he certainly did some stuff throughout the year that was surprising and a bit out of character uh, for Eddie. But, um, you know, I guess that's for, for him to explain. But, look, I, I hope that this last 12 months doesn't tarnish what, what else he's done in his coaching career. He's certainly done some great things and he's been a great coach for a lot of teams. So 
we need to remember that in in the heat of the battle we're in at the moment. We will get into the change and the centralisation, and you and I have spoken about it briefly on this program. But I mean, when you come in and change anything, and, and you're in the world of business now, change is a lot. Well, change is needed sometimes, and it, it, it's a fine balance of coming in too quickly, too hard, or too hard, too quickly, isn't it? I mean, the the fact that mm. there were no you know, Michael Hooper's, uh, Quade Cooper's, Bernard Follett, and for the reasons he gave, I mean, that that's an extreme change, and extremism is, is no good in anyone's books, I would have thought. Yeah, certainly some of the selections were surprising. You know, there was players playing in that World Cup that had very little international experience, and it, it's a very difficult environment to go straight into, and... Yeah, leaving players behind, particularly Michael Hooper, I think, was a, was a player that whilst he wasn't at his best for the last couple of years, I think he would have added value to the team in that environment. You know, World Cups are very different to any normal test match and I think we saw the Wallabies just couldn't handle that that extra pressure and, and some of the young kids, you know, were put in an environment they probably weren't ready for. So that's re- regrettable. Uh, and I, I think probably what the Australian rugby public are finding hard to understand is just how much the narrative changed from when Eddie first came into the team. It was all about winning the World Cup, hit and run. Uh, we got a good enough team to win. I'm here to win the World Cup. And then it just became a development exercise. And th- that change is just not acceptable to your average rugby supporter. Uh, I don't think uh, they'll stomach that. And, you know, I'd, I'd be... I'd be surprised if this is Eddie's the last one to go out the door there at Rugby Australia. And I, I just don't know how we can go forward without more significant change to the administration of the game. Okay, so you're talking front office, front office here? Uh, definitely. I mean, they're the ones that made all these decisions. And, uh, you know, over the last few weeks since the World Cups, you know, we've been out of the World Cup. I, I just have seen no accountability taken by people who have made these decisions and I just don't think that's acceptable. So, you know, if your average uh, punter who puts their hand in their pocket to to go over there and support the team and, and then to see the way that it's gone, uh, yeah, we, we need someone to, to actually say that they're accountable for it. This stuff doesn't just happen by, by chance. So, yeah, it's very frustrating where we're at at the moment. You know, I don't think Eddie's at, you know, totally at, at fault, you know, he's obviously played a significant role as the head coach, but, um, you know, rugby in Australia has been trending in this direction long before Eddie was here. And, mm. uh, you know, we need the people that have been involved in all that to uh, to probably admit the same. Steve, I'm going to read between the lines. Are you talking to the chairman here? Because Phil War's really only been in the job uh, a short amount of time. I don't know if his fingerprints are really all over this at all and the change he wants to instigate. But the Hamish McLennan's been there, the, the chairman. Uh, he, he's been bullish about what he wants to do but hasn't been able to do it. So is it time for him to move on? Yeah, well, look, look I think uh, Phil's been on the board for five years or something yeah, as okay. well. So people forget that. Yeah. You know, he was a... Another, um, you know, process that was sort of put in place was a, a director becoming the CEO, which is unusual. Uh, you know, and between all of them, I'm not saying anyone particularly is to blame, but between everyone who's been running the game, uh, I, I can't see how we can continue without trying a fresh approach, which means a, 
different people, you know, like it, it's just your standard, you know, you talk about business and if things are going this badly, you, you need to try find a way to, to get through the other side. And I, I can't see how we can do that without a change in personnel. And the biggest thing about change is building trust amongst the, the, the unions and the people that you want to make the change with. And I don't think we've done enough to build that trust. And, and until we have that trust across the country, then it's going to be very hard to, to, to force the, the change through. And, um, and look, the things you mentioned earlier about centralisation, yeah. new competition structure, grassroots, I, I cannot see anything in writing in terms of a strategy about the detail involved in that, the timelines who's involved, you know, how it's going to happen. And I, I think we've been asking for that for quite a few years and, and I just... And, and once again, to come back to the the average rugby uh, supporter in Australia, to be able to see something like that, to see a vision for the game going forward, you just can't see it. So, you know, we, we're taking our supporter base for, for mugs here. Like, it's just not acceptable and we need to do something drastic to, to change the course of the game in Australia. Stephen... 30 seconds or less, you've made a successful transition into business. Do, do sometimes you need to have something catastrophic happen to, to force that change? Had we have made semifinals or quarterfinals of World Cup, cracks of wallpaper over and we keep doing what we're doing. Does it need something catastrophic to change and to force that change? Do you buy into that theory? Oh yeah, yes and no. I think that you know the aspiration is to be the best in the world, and we we haven't got to that level. Although over the last twenty years, you know, you know we we we've been quick to say it's a twenty year issue. We we have been in the top handful of teams for most of that time. So, uh, you know, we certainly haven't been bordering on being outside the top ten. So, which is where we are now. Uh, so, it, it's been a pretty rapid decline and. Um, you know, maybe this is the time, but you know, we, we need to see significant change. And yeah. um, you know, that that's the that's the, I guess, the fact of the matter. If you're being fair income about it, mate, it's an amazing insight as always. I appreciate you uh, jumping on. Uh, everyone has an opinion in this, uh, but yours uh, counts more than most. I would have thought. Stephen Moore, former Wallabies captain, uh, fantastic for him to uh, jump on the line. Uh, 13, 13, 55, What Squeak has just said, does that resonate with you? Uh, are you as a rugby fan or an Australian sports fan being taken as a mug? That's what it seems like from Australian rugby in the point of view of Stephen Moore. 13, 13, 55,